Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey guys, I'd like to take a second to shout out the network that helps distribute our show, Armchair Media. Armchair is a collection of 50-plus podcasts, including ours, trying to localize the sports world a bit more. Uh, we've been with them for, I don't know, like six months or so, but we have really enjoyed working with Andrew and the rest of the team. Saints Happy Hour podcast, you guys have heard us talk about them in the past, but starting June 1st, Bet Online will serve as the title sponsor for Armchair Armchair Network as well as our show. Pretty cool, right? Uh, gone are the days of, of mowing our respective lawns. Now we are on to online sports gambling. So I guess that's a step uh, forward. Also, I want to shout out the Nine Club. It's the world's largest skateboarding podcast hosted by professional skaters Chris Roberts and Kelly Hart. Uh, perhaps Kevin knows who they are. You can follow them at the Nine Club. To see all things Armchair, Search Armchair Media wherever you get your pods and make sure to check out Armchair's website, armchairmedianetwork.com. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Welcome to another episode of the Bird Calls Podcast. I'm your host and contributor to both thebirdrights.com as well as Bleacher Report, Preston Ellis. And today, we've got the man who, if he was paid in radio spots, would be quite a rich man, Mr. Ali Cosell. What's going on, dude? What's up, Preston? Yeah, it's been a busy Tuesday. There's a lot to talk about, NBA-related, even though we don't even know if we're going to have a season yet. Yeah, before anybody finishes this podcast, this is probably bad advice given that this is our podcast. Make sure you listen to Low Podcast because there's there's a lot involved there about Kevin O'Connor's recent piece with The Ringer. Just uh, several different solutions floating in the air to help us talk about that. We've got friend to the program, Mr. Harrison Fagan. This is probably like your third or fourth time on the pod. How are you, sir? Is it is it that many? Okay, wow. Um, I, I'm I'm doing you know like I said I'm I'm doing as well as I think anybody uh can be. I appreciate you guys having me back on uh during these like crazy times and yeah it'll just, it's just like it's nice to be getting to talk about like basketball again after you know like there there was a while there where I mean it still might not come back but it really seemed like it was really really unlikely and now it seems like there's at least a possibility and like how safe all of this is going to be I think that there's still you know is like open for uh debate but like i'm excited to uh like have basketball back on our television yeah, it definitely seems like we're getting closer and closer. Woj just reported yesterday, and a variety of different sources have reported that Walt Disney World's going to be the landing spot. It's going to be sometime around July 25th to September 20th, according to Bill Simmons, for the playoff structure. If they do some kind of tournament or regular season games, what have you, it would have to happen before that. So everything needs to start happening pretty quickly, Ali, because uh, we've still got half of the Pelicans franchise that are out of town. Uh, some players that are uh, uh, overseas right now that all need to come back at some point to start these training camps. Let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, we're, we're talking about 
Zach Lowe's podcast today with Adrian Wojnarowski. I've only listened to part one. I'll start with Ali, and then we can kind of do this co-host thing where we we both just kind of double team on Harrison Fagan. Talk <laughs> about the viability of this this twenty team group format that Kevin O'Connor uh, pitched. I'll I'll break it down really quickly. Uh, the four top seeds would be the starter of every group, and then they could potentially select what other four teams they'd like in their group, or you could disperse it kind of evenly just at random uh, as best you can. Each of those uh, groups would play each other twice. Whatever two teams win the most games and tiebreakers are inflicted via your regular season record, those teams, those eight teams, would automatically advance to the semifinals or round two of the playoffs. That's an idea that Kevin O'Connor pitched today. Uh, Ali, what were your initial thoughts on this? Wishful thinking. (laughs) I mean, I'll be honest. If... If you're LeBron James, if you're any of these top teams and, and any of the players on them, why would you want to subject yourself to possibly really not even getting into the meat of the playoffs where you participate in this group stage and only two teams advance, right, out of five, and you're even going up against teams that are uh, currently, by the current standings, outside of the playoff picture. Suddenly you have a threat because anything can happen in very limited amount of games, right? Each team can either be hot you know, maybe some kind of injury crops up. Who knows? But anyways, when you already got a one or two seed locked up by the regular format, I just don't see why, like I said, the Lakers, Bucks, really almost any team that's already inside the playoffs be willing to say, yeah, let's go for this group stage to where, yeah, we don't care that it suddenly is made tougher for us to even possibly advance just to the next round. I just, I just don't see it. Even though I think it would be great entertainment. There's no doubt. The World Cup of Soccer is one of the most watched television events if not maybe the number one sporting event in uh, all the world now harrison if you want to comment on that one you can uh however i'm gonna pitch to you the one through 16 seating format that was pitched yesterday by brian winhorst um in addition to i i think Woj was the other one who was uh breaking the news on the possible uh consideration of the lakers thereby avoiding both the milwaukee bucks and the los angeles clippers on their side of the bracket they would meet the victor of those two teams uh, in the NBA Finals. There, there's a lot of talk of all these different formats being thrown out there. How viable do you think any of this is? Are we just wasting time talking about it, and should we just focus on the traditional format as it would have been on March 11th or whenever the last day of the season was? I mean, I'm fine with them, like, trying to figure out if there's, like, a better way to do this. And, like, especially if it's experimenting with a way that they're considering doing anyway and they kind of want to see the viability of it in, like, an environment when there's no travel or whatever. But if it's just going to be for just this year, then I think that it's kind of like a waste of time and it makes, a like, a postseason. A lot of people have already said this, but it kind of makes a postseason that a lot of people are already going to want to put an asterisk on. Like, it makes it more asterisky. Uh, because they, like if <laughs> I like that term, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's almost like it almost works in like two ways because you got the risky at the end. I didn't even intend that, but um, <laughs> like. Yeah, I think that it just like it makes it seem it makes it all seem a little bit more gimmicky in a year that some people are already going to consider a gimmick. And so I think that would be maybe the concern there. I I think, Ollie, you also make a good point about like the why would the playoff teams go for this group stage thing and have a chance to get eliminated when they're like kind of already in. And that may be something that the NBA runs into where like the playoff teams are whether you're including every single team in the NBA or you're just including like these fringe playoff teams like the Pelicans and you know the Blazers and like these teams that were kind of close but they weren't within the Mm -hmm. top eight seeds like if you're including them like they're just them they're massively outnumbered by the playoff teams and so they would be like outvoted in that way like I I know um 
like I would be I would actually enjoy the group stage thing like especially if uh these top seeds actually were picking the other teams in their groups like I think that that would be great TV I would actually love to watch like a selection show of that although mm-hmm. the NBA would probably never give it to us but it would be awesome to watch like LeBron and Anthony Davis sit there and like pick the other three teams in their group um or draft them along with like representatives from other teams but I, I highly doubt we'd get that we aren't like i think for whatever reason the nba hates showing us that stuff as we've seen with the all-star draft but i know a lot of lakers fans were excited about the idea of the reseeding thing because the way that the brackets are right now where if they were just to reseed one through 16 like the lakers wouldn't have to play i think either the clippers or the uh or the bucks until the finals and like then those two teams would have to fight their way through each other potentially Mm -hmm. and the lakers like did not have that difficult of a path to the postseason with the way that things broke down right now with that reseeding so i know a lot of lakers fans would get behind that but just like philosophically like i I think it's only really worth doing if it's something that the nba is going to consider doing anyway because otherwise like why make it more gimmicky right now you said, Harrison, that uh, you would enjoy, like, say, this world stage type of idea um, from a fan perspective. But you personally, what do you think, j- just you alone, doesn't have to be, um, like, say, from the Lakers perspective or anything. But what would you truly like to see happen? Because you do cover the Los Angeles Lakers. Would you want to just stick with a traditional format? Or do you really have some other scenario out there that you put number one? I mean, if it's just in a vacuum and we're just like getting to watch like whatever we personally would like to watch with no consideration for like the long term effects of that or anything like that or the perception of it, like I would honestly enjoy seeing the group stage thing. I think that that would be like fun, especially if like the teams did actually get to pick their opponents. I think that would be interesting. And I think that that would be something that would be fun for long term as well if the NBA could find a way to make it work. But I just don't think that they'll do it like that they like. I have my doubts that they'd extend it past this year and that like teams would be willing to actually do that because all of a sudden then that puts like a, like a bullseye on you that you said that you wanted to face this team. And that's like bulletin board material for them immediately. So like, I'm not sure that that'll ever actually work, but like, you know, it's interesting that they're thinking about it. And like, that's probably what I personally would be most interested to watch. Yeah, I think we'd have to question the long-term viability of that because that does put the importance on being one of those top four seeds. But in terms of being the other seeds, you know, three through potentially 20, it's it's not as significant anymore for you to turn out to be a fifth seed versus a, a tenth seed because at the yeah. end of the day, you're being selected to a, a slot anyway. So I, I think that just diminishes the regular season uh, a, a little bit. Um, however, getting one of those top four seeds all of a sudden becomes critical. Um, Harrison, uh, just from the the point of view of the Lakers who potentially would have to have to face the victor of this four-team uh, play-in tournament that right now is possessed by the Memphis Grizzlies. You've got the Sacramento Kings, the San Antonio Spurs, the Portland Trailblazers, the New Orleans Pelicans, all five of these teams that somewhat have a claim to that position. Uh, are, what are your thoughts on, on that revolving door, that play-in tournament? Does it matter to Lakers fans? You know, to be honest, like, like, I don't think that it matters a whole lot. Like, I, I kind of doubt that it matters a whole lot to the Lakers either. Like, uh, those teams are not, like, teams that they've struggled with, and they've been really good this year. I mean, obviously, 
I think that especially since they're going to be coming back from like a long layoff and, you know, it sounds like we might get a couple of regular season games where like every team, all these teams get tune up a little bit. So maybe it's not like you're just coming in cold after these teams are coming in off like a play in tournament. But if that were to happen, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, like are the Lakers going to be rusty against one of these teams or whatever? But to be honest, like in a vacuum, I don't think that the opponent matters a whole lot to them. I think like, I think the Lakers like would and should feel pretty confident that they'd beat any of those teams. And I know that that's not going to be a popular thing to say on the Pelicans podcast. Um, they they may be the most threatening, but to be honest, I don't know. Like the Lakers have kind of handled them like uh, pretty well this year. Um, but, you know, like Zion's been really good. And so who knows like w- what can happen in the playoffs. I-, I just don't think that the Lakers would be very worried about any of those teams. Well, you disappoint me because I was hoping there was a little bit of juice. <laughs> Maybe, you know. Everybody would want to see AD go up against his old team. And, of course, you know, Lakers fans, there's still a lot that, of course, you know, uh, Harrison, that follow Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. They're going to be lifelong friends of theirs. So I would have thought that maybe you would have leaned towards New Orleans, but it's understandable. But, um, listen, let's move on to maybe talking about the Anthony Davis trade, right? We're about now almost a year removed, and it's interesting to see how it play out. So I'm going to start off with this question. I'm sure Preston's got others, but – when, now looking back, now that we have gone through a pandemic where, you know, we don't know how this season is going to play out, but do you have any kind of buyer's remorse on, on behalf of the Lakers on accepting the deal, especially now seeing how Alonzo Ball has really taken the next step? Brandon Ingram made his first All-Star game and such. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think the Lakers do because, you know, when it, like you just go back to the last question. Like we were talking about uh, like this is a team that's confident that they could beat like any of these teams fairly handily in a first round series. They've been by far the best team in the West, like in terms of record this year. I think they're like five games or so ahead of the Clippers at this point, like their second best record in the NBA. Like they've been really, really good. And like, was that a super steep price to give up for Anthony Davis? Like, yes, but I think everybody knew that it was going to be a steep price at the time like uh, and honestly like in the end they ended up giving up you know when, when you if you don't account for that their first round pick jumping up in value they ended up if you go back to like some of the rumored trade proposals at the deadline they ended up giving up like a little bit less not much but a little bit than was proposed at the deadline and like I, I think for Lakers fans and probably for the Lakers as well like I think they all had high opinions of these young players like I, I think all of us thought that Brandon and like we were trying I remember we were trying to tell the people at the bird rights, like this is not a flaming dumpster fire, like this trade offer. It is like, these players are good and they haven't really had, they're developing and they aren't, flawless but like you've seen Lonzo Ball develop this year I'm like I'm not sure honestly offhand like what kind of year Josh Hart has had but we felt like he could be a good contributor we all like felt like that Brandon Ingram could be an all-star level player at some point in his career and you know he's he's really flourished this year and like really showed that he could do that once he was kind of like away from LeBron and was able to have this kind of more ball dominant more featured role than he got with the Lakers and you know was able to take like another year forward in growth as well and like all these guys they just got another year older and started to develop more and had more opportunities so like I don't think that anyone is incredibly surprised by them being like really good this year and so I don't think that there's any buyer's remorse not because of that like because we knew that they'd be good but also because like Anthony Davis has been such a perfect fit here and because the Lakers have been so good I mean obviously 
if they don't get to finish the season and like, like let's just say like w- darkest timeline, they don't finish the season or like they lose in the first round of the playoffs or something. Anthony Davis leaves then like, yeah, they gave up too much and that wasn't worth it. But if Anthony Davis stays and he stays relatively healthy and the Lakers stay at like, our, maybe not this level or around this level, but um, like they stay pretty good, then I think that it's going to be tough to say, like, as long as LeBron doesn't decline too much that they gave up too much. Like, I think this is one of those rare trades where it was kind of a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned the original iterations of the trade, and I think that it, at least in one iteration of the trade, uh, Zubats was included, and then he got dealt for uh, for pennies on the dollar uh, near the uh, – it was some uh, big uh, shooting guy. You'll you'll remember his name offhand uh, better than I do. Yeah. Yes, Mike Muscala. Oh my God, that was the, originally part of the of the trade. The Pelicans, the unforgettable Mike Muscala. You know, Magic, John- <laughs> Magic Johnson's key trade deadline acquisition that was gonna save the Lakers with his spacing, and then you know did not do that. Oh man, uh, he could have possibly been in place of Derek Favors this season. It's it's difficult to be able to fathom or wrap your brain around your brain around what that might have looked like. Let's let's continue along the same dialogue because when we talked to you last year, we mentioned how the value of these Lakers players was at an all time low. Of course, you had the thrombosis sufferer to Brandon Ingram that that could have potentially sidelined him for the remainder of his career. Nobody knew how severe it was going to be. You had Lonzo Ball who had missed I think sixty two games in his first two seasons. Those lingering ankle problems lavar ball following him you know seemingly everywhere he went big baller brand and the distractions that come with that of course josh hart looked like a promising young player but he had a a bit of inconsistency to himself now fast forward you see how good all of these guys uh have become as you just mentioned and, and it looks really good from the pelicans uh point of view and and you mentioned what a perfect fit that anthony davis has been in los angeles it's it's been like you said a trade that worked out for both parties how different do you think the trade would have been if the trade had potentially happened this season? Because uh, Anthony Davis, of course, wanted to dictate his way out at the trade deadline last year. And that was the worst possible time for the Lakers because of all those shortcomings uh, that were suffered to Ingram and Lonzo Ball. Yeah, it's interesting to think about because like if they hadn't gotten that trade done, like who knows what they would have done in free agency? Who knows what happens with that first round pick? Um, I mean, Anthony Davis's value would obviously be like a little bit lower, I think now because you know, you're just like just contractually, you're only getting him for half a year or something. And so like, if they're making the trade now, they probably would have had to give up less, but they also probably would have had less to give up. Who knows if they would have had the cap space to make the deal work like mid season or would have been able to work out a trade package. Like there's all these reasons why it was, I think better and it behooved them. And, you know, I think David Griffin negotiated really hard for like saying the same thing. Like there was a much, there were a lot of reasons why it was better for them to get the trade done then. And especially back then like in hindsight when they felt like they had a chance at Kawhi Leonard and so of course you want to get that deal done then and that like forces make gives you a little bit more um I think motivation to get it done more quickly and make sure that that's in place when you feel like you have a chance to put together like that big three obviously that didn't happen but that was I think part of the thought process of like let's get this done now so that, and get it done in a way that gives us the cap space to go after you know Kawhi Leonard or Superstar X or whoever um and that didn't happen but I think that that was a motivating factor for them then. And like, like if it was getting done now, I, I don't know, like, because it's like you said, all these guys were a little bit of distressed assets, like, especially by the time the trade got done, like at the deadline, they were all healthy and playing, if I remember correctly. But um, it was only after the deadline, I think the health issues really started to hit. And like, 
if Lonzo and um, like Ingram had played, you know, maybe not as well as they've played this year, but kind of close to it because they probably wouldn't have had as many opportunities. Like maybe it's all of a sudden it's like Kyle Kuzma in the deal instead of one of those guys. Or, you know, it's like Josh Hart is not in the deal and it's some other like throw in to make salary work or, you know, what I, that pick like does not end up going to New Orleans. Because obviously I think, I, I don't know if you guys agree, but I feel like it definitely would have been less at the trade deadline this year, just because AD, you would have been getting less time with him. You wouldn't have been getting a training camp with him. Like there's just less reason to deal for him at that point when you it, like at that point, it's only six months out till free agency, or at least at the trade deadline, you would have thought that who knows when free agency will actually take place. Yeah. I think you make a great point because like, if they wait until this year, who's to say Anthony Davis would have been still happy. I mean, what kind of buttons rich Paul would have, Push, but I think more so. Look at maybe how different the Lakers would have played, and after seeing the improvements of Bi and Lonzo and the key contributions of Josh Hart, maybe the Lakers wouldn't have been even really entertaining the idea of trading, of making this trade, right, um, Harrison? Because let's say AD, hey, he, he can walk basically out of New Orleans soon, so why give up all those assets? Kind of the thinking Magic used to have with Paul George uh, with the Indiana Pacers, and should he trade for him or should he just wait till? free agency so yeah it's real interesting to ponder that's why I was kind of curious on your thoughts on really how do you and other Lakers just basically feel about you know giving up so much good talent because I'm shocked I did not foresee Brandon Ingram Lonzo having the kind of years basically where all the Lakers contribute because we all thought at the time of the trade that the key was, of course, all the future picks, right? Whether it was actual Lakers picks or being able to flip for the better pick in uh, future years. But now it looks like, of course, the uh, cream of that trade is B.I. and Lonzo. So I, I guess my what my question is, if you had to basically say, I mean, I kind of asked it before, but I still feel like, Harrison, that the Lakers would be in better position had they not made that trade. Right. I think they get, I, did give up too much. So I think I think in a vacuum, they did they did give up too much. Like like it's you know, like if you're just looking strictly at the situation, like as far as when Anthony Davis was going to be a free agent, what they gave up, all that stuff. Like, I think that like now with hindsight being 2020, it's like kind of easy to say that. But it's interesting that you bring up Paul George, because I think that that is exactly that's exactly who I was going to bring up when you like when you said this was. Like, we don't know that Anthony Davis doesn't then get upset and not want to play for the Lakers anymore or get like, you know, eyes for another team if he doesn't feel wanted. Like, we know that that's what happened with Paul George and the Lakers is he said, you know, hey, like the Thunder went out and got me like I don't owe the Lakers anything and I like it here. And, you know, he only ended up staying for another year and then forcing his way to the Clippers. But like he was someone that was able to be swayed into staying somewhere else. And who's to say that that doesn't happen with Anthony Davis. I obviously back before the trade was made, he was kind of talking like him and Rich Paul were talking a big game about like not really wanting to play for anyone, but the Lakers, but does that stance change if it looks like things are going pretty well in all in LA and like, consequently, like do Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram have this good of years with the Lakers? Like, I'm not sure that they would have, because I think mm -hmm. that we saw a little bit of how that movie played out last year. Like I'm confident they would have been better, but I don't know that they would have been and shown as much as they have this year. And so I don't know, like it might've been a situation where instead of trying to hang on to these guys and like keep them 
for um like and keep as much as you can and then go get Anthony Davis in free agency it's all of a sudden like oh well okay LeBron's unhappy because they stood pat and they didn't get anything done in free agency and like they aren't that much better than they were last year and then all of a sudden these guys have another kind of year attached to them of being like distressed assets and so like I don't think that it's a guarantee that they would have played like this had they remained Lakers um I mean again like obviously they showed promise here but like they're now finally delivering on those promises and I'm not sure that they would have had enough opportunity to do that in LA with um LeBron playing such a big role I mean Alonzo on this specific team like if they had managed to keep him in the trade I think would have helped Ingram obviously would have helped I just don't think that their numbers would be quite as good or that their impact would be as outsized in smaller roles yeah for sure it's a perfect fit with Anthony Davis there uh because he's one of the game's best finishers he can create on his own but Brandon Ingram kind of needs the ball in his hands Alonzo Ball kind of needs the ball in his hands so it worked out great uh I want to continue on this line of thought I'm sorry for banging over your head with did the Lakers give up too much but I I do want to follow up with with one last question um the, the term clutch kind of uh, leaves a sour taste in Pelicans fans for understandable reasons. Number one, you've got <laughs> Rich Paul of clutch sports, but also the Pelicans uh, perform so poorly in the clutch. Uh, so it's got a variety of different concerns with us. But just in terms of the way that everything unfolded, of course, Pelicans fans, maybe Lakers fans even too at this point, might have preferred that he had not made that very public demand, not had come out and said, you know, we're not going to re-sign in Boston if we get traded there because it created bad blood between the two franchises. And I remember Alvin Gentry having a quote saying something to the point of fact of, I've never seen anything like this take place. You know, guys from front offices being removed because of a trade demand uh, with Magic Johnson and and uh, Dell Demps in, in that regard. If uh, Rich Paul would have just waited until the summer, Maybe that asking price isn't so much because, as Andrew Lopez reported, uh, that the Pelicans wanted to put a kind of tax on Rob Palenka because they were so um, distasted with the way that everything transpired. If that trade demand on January 28th does not take place, do you think the trade looks any different? I honestly don't because I I think that like to me, honestly, like and and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I I felt like the biggest thing that was uh, like a problem from that was more of like the way that Magic Johnson kind of handled negotiations where he was just basically like giving out like I mean, we all saw what the original like reported trade offers were like. I think I remember one of them was like Lance Stevenson and Rondo and like I like it was just like random like. you know for lack of a better term it was like it was roster filler uh and like I I think he was almost acting like I can negotiate and like I have the leverage here and I can force this on you and then when you combine that with Anthony Davis is kind of force it trying to force his way out like I think that that is what ultimately made things that bad like I I mean to be honest like I think Lakers fans loved it when Anthony Davis's dad came out and said we'd never play for the Celtics and like tried to you know obviously that was more of an attempt to kind of uh like hurt the Pelicans leverage than it was to appeal to Lakers fans but I mean it ended up doing both like I think like everyone loved that because you know obviously Lakers fans hate the Celtics um you know it's possible that maybe there wouldn't have been that clutch tax but to me that obviously felt like posturing uh, like I think that they you know David Griffin is going to go for as much as he can get in a trade either way 
And, you know, maybe by not like by not having other suitors, like who's to say that that didn't drive the market down a little bit and didn't require the Lakers to give up like even a little bit more, like throw Kyle Kuzma in the deal or something like that. I mean, obviously he hasn't had the best year, but he was like uh, he was considered, I think, viewed a lot more highly last summer. Um, and they managed to keep him out of the deal. Like, I, I think if there are other suitors in there driving the price up, like there's a possibility that they would have had to give up more. So no, I, I don't think that like any like Lakers fans are really upset about the way that Rich Paul handled that. It got Anthony Davis here in time for like an extra season, basically, instead of having to do it at the trade deadline this year, or wait another year towards free agency. It got LeBron some help. It's led to the best Lakers season in like a decade. Like, I don't think that anybody's complaining. Like, I mean, I know obviously like the young guys are great and I was like banging that drum as much as anyone. Like I felt like the price was steep when they made the trade, but I also, I think wrote at the time, like, this is what you do to trade for, a superstar and Anthony Davis is not a traditional superstar and that he does kind of like he is at his best when he has somebody setting him up but the Lakers have like the perfect partner for him and LeBron and their synergy has been incredible and like it's 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 led to the most fun season that I've ever covered and so I, I don't think that anybody would really trade how it went down even if like you know maybe process wise there are a couple things that you could tweak but ultimately it ended up with AD here uh in time for this season. Yeah, that's a good answer. I've watched plenty of those Laker games, and I'll tell you what, yeah, I've never seen Anthony Davis shine so much because of the fact that he's got LeBron James standing next to him. It's not just the on-the-court play. You can also tell through his emotions he's taken a bigger step in leadership. You know, he's been more vocal. I don't recall him doing that that often in New Orleans. He would really have to get riled up to speak out, I remember. But listen, we're going to just do one more question on it. Alternate reality, you know, this is total fancy, but if you could pick one asset from that trade – that you wish the Lakers would have kept, who would it be? Whether it's Lonzo, B.I., Josh, or maybe one of the future picks. Oh, this this is tough for me because, like, I am probably as big of a Lonzo believer as there is other than LeVar Ball. Um, And so, like, you know, I want – I really want to say Lonzo, but it's hard with how well – Brandon Ingram has played this year to not say him like even though obviously he would not be putting up the numbers that he's putting up in New Orleans if the Lakers had managed to hang on to him like he still like he would have immediately solved their secondary ball handler problem and like he would have been way overqualified for that role but he also would have you know been amazing at it and he just would have given them like another dribble like like another threat off the dribble another threat to play make another threat to score that they just don't really have outside of LeBron like they have a lot of secondary guys but they've had to try and kind of use Rondo in that role this year they signed Dion Waiters it's like a break glass in case of emergency guy now Um, but for the most part like they've struggled when LeBron is not in the game and that got a little bit better before the season shut down they'd started to figure some things out but it's still not perfect and Brandon and Ingram would have completely solved that problem like again he would have been way overqualified for the role like he probably would have left after this year at least tried to and restricted free agency because he would have wanted a bigger role but um like I think Ingram like if you're looking at a way to make the Lakers like go from one of the title like contenders to like title favorites like I think Ingram would have done that all right I'm gonna ask one more and then I'll let you get out of here uh just in terms of 
What's on the line for the Los Angeles Lakers uh, this year? Obviously, LeBron's 35. I think he turns 36 this year. He was very vocal about wanting to continue the season uh, when when that question was posed to him. Obviously, Anthony Davis is still technically an unrestricted free agent. None of us expect that he would walk after all this. Can you imagine how hilarious that would be after everything that's transpired in the last year if he then ultimately walked after hilarious all? Hilarious I mean, is not the word I would use. <laughs> <laughs> just just in terms of the the drama surrounding some kind of move like that none of us expect that maybe if there's a grouping and they get eliminated in the first round maybe he considers doing something else uh however that would be highly unlikely despite all of that next year uh lebron's going to be 36 37 years old anthony davis is going to be one year older uh there's there's no telling if lebron can keep this going uh year in and year out for the foreseeable future how important is it to the lakers to win this year I just looked this up because I have gotten LeBron James's age wrong too many times. And uh, he is 35 this year. He will turn 36 midseason next or possibly at the start of next season, uh, you know, depending on how things go. But his birthday is December 30th. Uh, He'll turn 36. And I think for that reason, like, obviously, yeah, like it's really important for the Lakers to win this year. I mean, we've seen LeBron this year. And if you watch him this year. Like he's had one of his most efficient seasons ever. Um, He's been like, he hasn't been as good as like prime LeBron at the rim, but he's been a really efficient three point shooter. He's been like an incredible playmaker, the complete engine of this offense. And like, if you were to just watch him this year and not know his age, you'd be like, yeah, there's no way that guy's going to fall off next year. And I I don't think that he's going to completely like fall off a cliff or anything like barring injury. But yeah, like if he's going to be turning 36 at, you know, mid season next year, the start of next season, you know, however that that's going to work but like in December um like at some point you have to think that a decline is coming here for him I think that it would be more of like a kind of a baby step back than it would be like a complete dropping off from where he is now but you know Anthony Davis is like what I think he's 26 like it's been so long since I looked up these guys ages but um like he still theoretically has a little bit of room to grow the Lakers are going to in free agency this year at least in theory have some more tools to kind of add to their team and they're going to have a bunch of expirings at the deadline so like as long as LeBron maintains like somewhat close to his current level even if he takes a little bit of a step back or he load manages a little bit like I think that they still like I originally before this year got started like you know when we were talking on podcasts in August and stuff like that you know me and like other Lakers bloggers and stuff like I was predicting that next year would really be the year where like the Lakers kind of click because they would have had the full mid-level exception like they'd really have some tools to flesh out this roster depth and now who knows what free agency and all that stuff and finances with the league are going to look like I certainly don't I don't think anybody really does at this point um but like yeah so for that reason like it's really important for them to win this year and you know I think that they're a little bit at a disadvantage and that they're an older team and it's gonna probably take them like I'd say like around to like get fully back into like game shape if they can do that like because you know they'll have the training camp they'll have the warm-up games so regular season stuff whatever um but they're an older team and so this may like take a little bit just for them to round back into the form that they were in but like I guess they're probably just having to hope that their chemistry carries them until that point and like the quality of their opponent but um Like, yeah, I mean, I think that it's really, really important for them to win this year, but I think that they still theoretically have like another year or two. I also think that it's not 
a foregone conclusion that Anthony Davis opts out after this year anymore, given that free agency is kind of going to be like insane. And like, we don't know how much money is going to be available. We don't, we don't know anything that's going to happen like with free agency and how all that's going to work with the cap and with how much revenue the league's going to lose from all of this stuff. So like, I, I don't, I think that there is at least an outside chance that he ends up opting in for one more year and trying to like, deal with free agency the next year so again that's not me reporting anything that's just like looking at the landscape um but yeah i mean like to go back to your question it's really important for them to win this year i just don't think it's like do or die yeah for sure we know the new york knicks are prepared to make a max offer for anthony davis this offseason but you're you're right unless it's like a sign and trade situation uh there are very limited teams that will even have that resource available to them and even fewer that he would even consider uh in that circumstance but we got to wrap it up i am way over time i apologize you guys i got so excited uh this is harrison fagan i don't know if i introduced him uh he is the editor-in-chief for silver screen and roll he also has his own podcast i'm gonna look that up as i'm talking to you we also have uh ali cosell you can follow him at Ali Cosell. There it is. His podcast is Rewind, Reconsider. Uh, so you guys make sure to check that out. Harrison, thank you for your time, sir. No, I'm always happy to do it, guys. This was fun. All right. And Ali yeah, Cosell, you, what, you, what you got coming up, Ali? Well, I just posted some today. Please check it out, where basically I, I started looking at some numbers and I was astounded to see how a certain prototype of player, I mean, they're stars, but the taller stars in the NBA just flat out killed the New Orleans Pelicans defense. They had nobody that could stop them. So I wrote about that, and that's where I'm leaning towards. My next piece is going to go as well. Looking at the free agent market, possible trades, how they can shore it up, because that's going to really improve the uh, Pelicans from a team standpoint and hopefully in the wins and loss column. Yeah, AD may have skewed those averages for you guys a little bit, though. Man, I know. <laughs> but seriously, LeBron was incredible. I mean, I'm sure you watch all the games, Harrison, but – if yeah. you look at my article, you see that Luca, Kawhi, Giannis, Pascal, Siakam, Tatum, 41 points in three quarters, Tobias Harris, Bogdanovich over in Utah, and Harrison Barnes. They all killed New Orleans this year. Man, Anthony Davis was so bad in the clutch for us uh, in 2018, 2019. And the first game we played against the Lakers, uh, I think it was late November, if I recall. Uh, Drew Holiday was having a monstrous first three quarters, and then he went for a dunk and he just got the rim. And then I think minutes after that, uh, he inbounded right to Anthony Davis, who dunked off of it. Ah, uh, oh, man, it was some of the worst six minutes of my year. <laughs> he just needed, hey, he just needed a winning franchise to teach him how to win, you know? Okay. I'm just, I, look, I'm not here to hate. I'm just like, I'm just letting you know. I, I think that's what happened. You're a monster. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, we've got Nancy Lieberman coming up uh, on Thursday. Maybe Sean Kelly with her. Uh, if you guys haven't checked out our podcast yesterday with Cassidy Hubberth of ESPN. Uh, again, if you guys like what you're hearing, please subscribe. Please retweet. Please spread the word. We appreciate your help so much. Let's dance and let's go Pels. for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today have you ever wondered how to say good morning in italian or what is goodbye in french you can ask alexa just say what is happy birthday in german or how do you say hello in japanese do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.